coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing Podcast. And I won't go off on this tangent, but the fly fishing industry has it absolutely backwards. The fly fishing industry wants you to believe that your most important piece of gear is, of course, what? Your rod. Number two, they want you to believe the reel. When the reality of the matter is, is that your most important piece of gear is your fly. But one could argue that if you don't have the right leader, and that leader, first of all, can't deliver the fly to the target properly, well, then what good is the world's best fly? That was Brian Fleshig making an argument for the most important part of your fishing gear. Getting started in fly fishing with one of the best in the business today on The Swing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how you doing today? Thanks for stopping by the show. Did you know that uh, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month? This month, Fairflies has a special giveaway going on to raise awareness for breast cancer. You can win some uh, some Fairfly themed brushes, some tools, Wasatch tools, and a local guided fishing trip right now if you head over to wetflyswing.com pink. That's P-I-N-K. And uh, you're going to support breast cancer awareness and have a chance to win some gear. And, and you get double bonuses when you click over there if you head over to castingforrecovery.org as well after you check out that giveaway page. Today's episode is sponsored by Range Meal Bars. Each range bar has 700 calories and fits easily into the pocket of your backpack, your vest, your sling, uh, anywhere you need it. You always got it on the go. Range Bars only use the highest quality gluten-free ingredients, and they are the most convenient and compact way to get out the door and on the river. You can support this podcast and get some tasty bars by heading over to wetflyswing.com slash range. That's R-A-N-G-E. Range Meal Bars, a legitimate meal in your pocket. We're also sponsored by Country Financial. Dalton is a local insurance agent at Country Financial who thrives on helping families and community members through the power of education and proper insurance coverage through life's worst disasters. The unexpected will happen, so it's always best to make sure your assets are protected. Dalton keeps it real. He's local. It's good to connect with him. You can check him out right now if you head over to wetflyswing.com slash country. That's C-O-U-N-T-R-Y. Right now. Check it out. Brian Fleshig is going to take us back to square one for uh, those that are new to fly fishing. This is a good episode. I love to do these every once in a while. Uh, Brian's over there at Mad River Outfitters, and he's been just basically doing an amazing job for many years now and uh, and he's really good at breaking things down he's got a cool YouTube video series that we're going to talk about today where he breaks down the step-by-step on beginning fly fishing we also find out how he has connected and is friends with some of the biggest names out there including uh, Kelly Gallup comes up against so that was a fun one today and uh, we talk about some of the most common questions uh, that uh, he gets on a daily and weekly basis so you know I love uh, a good Kelly Gallup. Uh, it's almost like the uh, it's almost like the seven uh, degrees of uh, of Kevin Bacon. Is this going to be this new seven degrees of Kelly Gallup? That might be the new thing we have going. I, I think I'm gonna have to check on that one. So this one's super worthy, super worthy. Let's do this. So without further ado, here we go. Brian Fleshig from MadRiverOutfitters.com. <laughs> 
How's it going, Brian? It's going well, Dave. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for setting a little time aside uh, this morning to dig into someone. Um, I think what we're going to talk about, uh, we occasionally do these intro episodes. You guys have this really great YouTube channel. Uh, you've got a ton of followers there. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, but maybe like a beginner episode, right? Because there's people, a lot of people out there that are you know, mystified, right, by fly fishing. But you have a way of keeping it simple. Uh, so we're going to touch on that, maybe talk about the Mad River outfitters and everything else. But uh, before we go there, take us back to real quickly to fly fishing, how you got into all this. Oh, boy. Um, you know, my first recollection uh, when it was when I was about five or six years old. And it's really kind of funny because I'm literally sitting right next to uh, this box that I'm going to talk about right now. Um, I'm sitting at my fly tying desk as we speak. But um, when I was about five or six years old, my dad had built this wooden box. And it was a, a cabinet. It had drawers in it and everything. And it was where he kept his fly tying stuff. And I can remember... Uh, opening up those drawers and finding all these exotic feathers. And I remember there was a moose tail, um, which I, I think I still have. Uh, and just I remember just opening up that box and going through all the threads and hooks and materials. And just I can still remember the smells. <laughs> um, and it just I was just totally enthralled by it. And I remember asking my dad to show me kind of what this was for and how to do it. And uh, I think I wound up tying a fly. I called it the Fleshig Special. In fact, I still have it. And uh, I was about six or seven. And then uh, I, I do remember I was seven and I went on a trip uh, alongside my Uncle Bill and he took me to a place called Bennett Springs in, in down in southern Missouri. And I caught my first trout on a fly rod. And, um, you know, it's pretty much all I've done. Well, that and played music. And then I figured out a long time ago I couldn't make a living playing music. So I, I picked the next, the next most lucrative uh, business, of course, would be fly fishing other than being trying to be a mandolin player. <laughs> right. Nice. Nice. And maybe we might hold on to some of the music for towards the end because I always love digging into a little music. But uh, so, yeah, you started your whole life, right? You, you got your dad, your uncle, everything. How does it come into your transitioning into uh, where you know this is going to be a career or, you know, a business for you? Well, I think when I was in my teens, of course, being in, uh, you know, junior high and high school, I got into into girls and cars and, and playing music and such. So I, I probably got away from it for a few years, but uh, my whole life growing up was just centered around fishing. I mean, my, my uncle was a fanatic, my dad, my grandfathers. So I, I fished my whole life. And then I, I guess when I was about 15 or 16, uh, I really, uh, I forget my dad, uh, we moved from St. Louis, Missouri to Cincinnati, Ohio. And my dad somehow got teamed up with a group called the Buckeye United Fly Fishers. And he started getting back into fly tying and to rod building. And, and then, uh, we started going to these fly tying classes and I just, I, I just got into it real heavy again and just started studying and reading books. And, uh, you know, I was really just uh, totally immersed in really only two things. Uh, and that was playing music and fishing. And 
uh, I, I guess I was, I was going to college. I, I actually went to the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music and studied jazz guitar, um, which was odd because I was m- more into playing bluegrass mandolin and uh, into the Rolling Stones and the Grateful nice. Dead more than, more than anything else. <laughs> Um, so I quit college and I was working at a music store. I was kind of be assistant manager and was teaching guitar lessons. But at that time, uh, a fly shop had opened up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and it was a real small shop. And I started hanging out in that shop and they, they found out that I fished a lot on the mad river. And, uh, just one day they asked me if I wanted to, if I would be interested in guiding for them. Hmm. Um, and next thing I know about a week later, I was guiding. So uh, here I was about, I think I was 18 at the time. And here I was guiding some, you know, a guy that was 60 years old. And, uh, (laughs) and about six months later, long story short, um, the, the shop changed hands ownership. And then the new manager asked me, he said, Hey, I need a manager of this shop. And he was, he had become the owner and he said, Hey, I need a manager. Would you be interested? And I said, sure. And next thing you know, I was uh, 19 years old and the manager of a fly shop. And, wow. um, yeah. And, uh, so I did that for, from 1990, I think that was summer of 1990. And, uh, boy, it just, you know, it just took off took off from there it's 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 all i've ever really wanted to do for a living it's all i've really ever done for a living other than part-time jobs when i was a kid and um i hosted my first uh trip it was kind of funny the the first trip i ever hosted uh was in the fall of 1990 and it was a salmon trip up on the pier marquette river oh yeah and uh, my guides were Charlie Weaver, whom I went on to uh, become great friends with, and we recorded a CD together, um, also a musician, obviously, and we recorded a CD called River Songs. Another one of my guides was Walt Growl, who is just a legend up in Michigan, uh, um, still in the business, still guides up in Alaska, and he invented um, and a lot of techniques that we still use today and introduced two-handed rods to Michigan, just an absolute legend. And the other guide on that trip was Kelly Gallup. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, uh, Kelly and I formed an instant friendship and man, for years I would host trips to Michigan and Charlie and I would play music and Kelly and Oh goodness! Just a, a, a Jack Ford and just a laundry list of of kind of Midwestern legends would always be there and and gathered. And of course, we'd stay at the bar until too late and then uh, uh, have a tough time guiding the next day. But uh, <laughs> right, anyways. So then it was uh, um, th- th- that shop kind of had some issues over time and I can remember going to my dad and saying, Hey dad, this is what I want to do for a living. I think we could do this for ourselves. And, uh, I said, I'm sure I can do this. And, uh, we actually contacted Orvis at the time. We, I did a lot of work with them back then. And they said, Hey, Columbus, Ohio is right up the road. It's an open market. It needs a fly shop. And, uh, I guess real long story short, I quit my job October 1st. I moved to Columbus November 1st, and we opened Mad River Outfitters December 1st in 1994. Oh, 94. 
Yeah, yep. right on. So that is an amazing story. And of course, yeah, Kelly Gallup, um, we've had on a, a couple times. And the, you, you mentioned some other people that I would definitely love to connect with as well that have, their names have come up um, over the years. But I, I want to go back to that guide trip, that first guide trip when you were, you know, 18 years old and you got, you know, what was that? Do you remember that trip at all? Oh, absolutely. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was a, it was a gentleman by the name of Clyde Rolfe. Uh, and Clyde became a great friend and a great customer, uh, of matter of outfitters over the years. And, um, he did all kinds of traveling with us. He used to go to the Bahamas with me. We, we've did Montana, British Columbia, Labrador, uh, just a great guy. In fact, Clyde was, uh, very well known. He was the inventor of Nicorette gum. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he invented that stuff. So holy cow! Um, but yes, I remember. I can remember where I was, uh, and I, we had an epic Hendrickson hatch come off, and we caught a mess of fish uh, on Hendrickson dries and a merger. And I I still remember where we were standing. We were standing at a a, a little hole on the river that we call Mike's Hole. Um, it's on the property of of a friend of ours named uh, Mike, obviously. And, uh, and man, we just tore them up. So I, I think that really kind of set the stage for yeah. uh, m- my confidence level and being a guide and, and being able to, you know, like I said, Clyde was probably in his late 50s at the time. And yeah. um, here I was 18 years old and had never really thought of being a guide. And then all of a sudden I was thrust into it and, um, and I just fell in love with it. I, yeah, I, I really did. That's what it sounds like. That's the cool thing is that I think guiding can be tough, right? And especially you go in there as a new guide, maybe you don't know the water as well. And, you know, what you imagine if you would have had a trip where you guys got skunked, you know, could that have changed the complexion on your journey or do you think you would have stuck with it? You know, I'm, I'm certainly not a psychologist, but um, I, I would imagine that, that that trip probably played a pretty big role in um uh, teaching me that, Hey, this is something you can do. And, um, and, and it really taught me that I had something to share because he had no idea, you know, the mad river, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. It was an hour and a half from his house. He had never fished it. Uh, we've got a really nice population of brown trout and some decent brown trout. And here was, uh, he had been driving to Michigan, to try to catch the Hendrickson hatch for 20 years. Hmm. And I think we caught more and bigger trout in Ohio than he had ever caught on the ensemble up in Michigan. Um, and it just, you know, it just made me feel really good. It made me feel like, Hey, uh, you know, I, there's something I can share. I mean, um, I still had a lot to learn, but there's, there's a lot that I can share and a lot that I can show people and introduce people to. And, and I think it probably really did set the stage. If we would have gotten skunked, I don't know. Maybe I would have hung it up and tried yep. to make a living playing the mandolin. <laughs> That's right. Back to the mandolin. Nice. Yeah. Do you still uh, do a little? Uh, do you play the mandolin still? I don't, man. It's 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 been uh, it's been about twelve years since I really played at all professionally, and I just I figured out it was uh, trying to trying to run a business um, and trying to. Uh, be a part-time musician on the side just wasn't it just wasn't worth my time and i had to give up one of them so obviously that's what uh yeah that's what got the axe gotcha and then and so now you're on you look at the 18 year old you started out as 18 and now we're kind of on the other end right looking back do you still see a lot of the 18 year olds younger folks coming through the shop there 
You know, we, we've done a couple YouTube videos on this recently. In fact, I think one came out yesterday. Uh, Brad Beefus um, from Scientific Anglers and Orvis and I were talking about the fact that the, the youth uh, in this sport is not only is it alive and well, but it's thriving. Um, the number of, you know, that, I think there was a time where we were a little concerned about the future of fly fishing. Um, and, you know, most of the, the, in most of the clientele was older, middle to upper class type of thing. And now we're just seeing kids. I mean, these kids are tying flies, they're fishing hard, uh, and tons of kids, even 14, 15, uh, or younger. Uh, but the 20 somethings and 30 somethings that are in the shop that are on our, on our, YouTube channel and that are shopping online with us is just, it's astronomical. In fact, Kelly and I did a video, um, I don't know, came out a, a year and a half ago or so, and we talked about the same and talked about mm. there's, a, there's a revolution going on, especially with fly tying. Yeah. Um, and it has a lot to do with, of course, social media and, and YouTube and such, but it's really, really exciting to see and I think the future of our sport is, uh, I, I think it's very, very safe. And yeah. I think it's in good hands. Love that. Yeah. And I've heard you on, and I'll put some links out to the videos that you mentioned there and what we talk about today in the show notes. But I've heard your take on it on a few, uh, maybe as another podcast or some other stuff where you talked about, you know, just the overall fly fishing, how, you know, we're not saving, you know, uh, you know, we're not saving babies and stuff. I mean, this isn't like the end of the world, right? We're literally casting a fly. I uh, mean, what is, describe that a little bit, your take on fly fishing, because I think maybe some people, yeah, get a little too serious about it. What is your overall take on fly fishing and what keeps like the old white guy, right? That old thing back in the day when that's, it seemed like that was the demographic, Talk about that, the difference there to where we were and maybe where we're going now. You've seen that change, right? Well, I, I have, most definitely. And um, if I just even look at Mad River Outfitters and how we run the business, um, it, it used to be back in the day where, you know, uh, even the clothing that we sold. I mean, for, for example, the Howler Brothers brand yep. that we do, we do so well with. Um, we would have never 25 years ago, we would have never considered, um, selling shirts, uh, that have a mermaid embroidered on them for, you know, <laughs> because the demographic that I don't know, 55 to 75 year old, uh, man is not going to buy a shirt like that. But now, uh, the, the styles have changed. The, of course, the flies have changed. The, what we fish for has changed. And the demographic is, is absolutely completely different. And that old, um, you know, when I first started the shop and I mentioned that I used to work very closely with Orvis and we still do, but mm -hmm. there was a, there was a day when we were a, what was called a full line Orvis dealer. And this is back in the days when Orvis was, and, and forgive me, Brad and folks at Orvis, but they were like the Gestapo. And you, ha you had to carry Orvis this, Orvis this, Orvis this, and you could not carry Sims or Sage or any other competitive brands. And we also had dog beds and women's clothing and, and stuff like this. So it was kind of a, and this is before Orvis started opening their own retail mm -hmm. stores. So they they relied on us and their full line dealers. And 
that whole thing, I mean, we no longer, thankfully, we don't sell dog beds. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love dog beds. Yeah. We, sell, <laughs> we, we sell tons of women's clothing, um, but it's not the same kind of stuff. I mean, we're not selling plaid skirts. I mean, yeah. we're selling technical fishing gear. Um, and, and that's a whole other demographic that has changed dramatically, even in the past five or six years, um, is the, the number of women getting into the sport mm -hmm. is absolutely amazing, but it used to be, uh, I made this comment and, and I, uh, of course, I, I think I offended a couple of people that, you know, we used to have these kids that come in and you would expect to see them, uh, out riding a skateboard. Um, and, and no, they're coming into the shop and, and tying flies mm -hmm. instead of spending their time skateboarding. And I, I I'm not, uh, nothing against skateboarding. There's no. nothing, ro nothing wrong with that. Nothing. I'm not trying to offend him any. I'm just trying to paint a picture here. Yeah. But they're they're and they've got, they've got, uh, you know, their hair's longer. They've got tattoos and things like that. And this is stuff that you would just never see 25 years ago in a fly fishing store. And, and I love it. Um, you know, back in the day when I used to, when I would hire people, I used to tell them that we, you know, at work, we wear button down shirts, we tuck in our shirts, we, you know, and these days I've got kids working for me that, uh, good Lord, they've, they, they keep the tattoo artists in business and they wear t-shirts to work, but it's cool and it's fine. And it's, yep. um, I, I like that. I mean, I still wear my button down shirts and tuck in my shirt, but, um, but you have this diversity, yeah. uh, and I think that's one of the things that the fly fishing industry has done a really great job of. Uh, if you've got tattoos and you wear a t-shirt or your, or your black, white, yellow, your male, female, or identify as other or your whatever religion, everybody is welcome um, in our shop and everybody is welcome in the sport of fly fishing. So it's interesting to me how that dynamic has changed. Cause I used to tell the, I used to tell people that we don't wear t-shirts to work. Well, hmm. um, of course you're not going to be wearing a Coors beer t-shirt, right. but as long as it's matter of outfitters or fly fishing related or something, it's, it, it doesn't bother me at all. And I don't think it bothers the people that shop there. In fact, I think, um, having that diversity, I mean, we have, we have Linda, we have Katie, we have Judy, we have Christina, we have girls, we have 22 year old kids. We've got, um, thankfully I'm not the oldest person that works at matter of outfitters. We've got <laughs> old, older people than me. Um, and there's just this, this, you know, some short hair, some no hair, some long hair, this diversity that has entered the sport of fly fishing is just um, it's really, really inspiring, um, and it's fun to see. Now, the other note that you talked about is, um, uh, and this is something I feel very strongly about, and I say this all the time, and I'm sure you see it with your podcasts. Of course, we see it on social media. Uh, we see it on our YouTube channel that, yes, there is a segment of our sport that <laughs> takes this way too seriously. Yeah. And, um, no, we are not curing cancer. We're not saving babies. We're not, we're not, I have yet to come up with any sort of vaccine. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, I've really done nothing to contribute 
to the planet. Have to always remember that what we're doing is an absolutely mm-hmm. now it, it's it's meaningful to me. I love going out a lot of times by myself and catching. I can go out in the evening locally and catch one or two bluegill, or run over to the mat and catch one fish on a sulfur dry fly, and turn around and come home. And I spent two hours in the car and twenty minutes fishing, and it's worth it to me. And a, a lot of people don't get that, but, but I have to realize that I'm not, I'm not doing anybody any good except for myself. Uh, and to a certain extent, it's somewhat of a selfish kind of proposition. I mean, uh, I could have done a lot better in life and done right. a lot more for the world had I become a doctor or, um, you know, something a little bit more meaningful, but it, it is what it is. We love fishing. Um, you know, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. It's, yep. it's you know, yep. it's it's what we love. It's what we breathe. It's it's what we do. And other than that, I really can't explain it. But it's not all that important in the big scope of the world. No. And, and there are a couple of things, probably some of those people that would say, you know, maybe it is important is might talk about, um, I mean, just, you know, inspiring people and getting people outdoors, right. And that sort of thing, and maybe changing their lives and maybe their doctors and that helps them do great things, but also the conservation piece, right. I mean, you hear a yeah. lot of that, right. Conservation, because obviously we want to conserve our fish species, right. That's a big thing, but conservation is a big piece. Patagonia is a big company you hear a lot about, you know, uh, Yvonne just made a big announcement recently, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what's your take there? Do you feel like that conservation piece is something that's kind of intertwined into most fly fishing folks? I guess that's the, uh, the, you you made two good arguments there. And I I guess that's first and foremost, is that we are involved in an industry um, that is highly involved in conservation efforts. And it's very similar with the hunting side of things. I mean, you know, people try to uh, knock hunting and I know there's a lot of anti, I, we still yep. see a lot of, we still see a lot of anti fishing people that uh, chase us around on social media on, <laughs> on YouTube and that's fine. They're entitled to their beliefs. I, I wish they wouldn't share them on our social media and, and such, but, um, th- that's fine. But the thing that they have to remember is just like hunters, there's probably no greater group that does more for the deer populations or the elk populations than hunters. And it's the same thing for fly anglers. I mean, uh, the industries are intertwined and thankfully uh, for companies like Patagonia and Orvis and uh, really all of them. I mean, you can't name a company that isn't uh, in our industry that isn't conservation minded. And, uh, you know, we are always supporting and donating and, mm-hmm. and uh, donating our time and energy to helping out with cleanups. Uh, you know, we, uh, myself or at least one of our staff try to go to all the meetings that are held here in the state of Ohio about the fisheries and, and things like that. So yeah. the, the industries are intertwined. So I think you're right about that. Um, and kind of goes against what I was saying before that I guess in a sense that we are contributing to conservation efforts and that's a good thing. Yeah. And then, and then, like you said, I, I do hear it all the time is that people say, well, actually, Brian, what you and Mad River Outfitters is doing is important because 
uh, even for example, somebody will say to us that, Hey, I come here once a week and I spend an hour hanging out and talking to you guys and just looking around the shop. And this is my escape. Yeah. This is my safe place. This is my fun place. And then, uh, you know, I have people that say they, 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 every Saturday morning, it's a ritual. They wake up and make coffee and watch our latest video. Nice. And they couldn't imagine life without that. And, and hopefully well, we bring some, some joy and maybe a smile and some laughter and a little bit of education to their lives. And so yeah, I guess there's something to be said for yeah. that. And of course, it's not only me. I mean, people listen to your podcast. They, yeah. they watch Kelly's videos. They watch and they, they enjoy it. And it gives them an escape from uh, the real life. And even if they can't be out fishing, they can be thinking about fishing. So, yeah, uh, we're still not saving babies. No, <laughs> that's right. We're, we're still not saving babies. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by Fishhound Expeditions, who you know is putting together remote Alaskan wilderness trips for that bucket list trip of a lifetime. Alaska is one of those places that uh, it's hard to explain. At times, it's a little colder. At times, uh, there's maybe not as much sun. Sometimes there's a lot of sun. Um, but uh, but this trip is amazing. We just got back, went up there. We had four days on the river. We flew in with a helicopter into a remote uh, gravel bar. That trip, just the flight in with the, the helicopter was amazing. We swung in. Uh, you can check out uh, that video on, on our Instagram of the helicopter. Check out the story. Um, got on the river. We had a bunch of river time. The first night out there, the northern lights just popped out. We were all sitting there looking up and we're like, wow, what, what is that? I haven't seen those in a long time. That was amazing. The fishing was exceptional. The river was a bit high for us. And even though it was high, we still landed some amazing rainbows. And there's something about these rainbows that they just, it's, uh, they just don't make them quite like that down in the lower 48. I mean, they, it's kind of like, it reminded me a lot of a steelhead, uh, to be honest with you. You get these fish on and, you know, a lot of them were in the definitely over 20 inches, uh, you know, mid 20 range, uh, a lot of these fish and they were fat. We were there in September. So they were eating a lot of food and they were just, they were just hammering us. So I can't say enough about Adam and the crew, Cam, uh, Will, we had a good time. Nick and I just, uh, I mean, we were treated to great food, uh, great service. Um, they had it all out there and it was just an awesome trip. So if you want to check out Fishhound Exhibitions, find out more information, you should check in with Adam right now. You can go to wetflyswing.com slash fishhound, that's F-I-S-H-A-O-U-N-D, and uh, and go over there and uh, check in with Adam, send him an email, give him a call. He'd love to fill you in on the details of the different trips he has going. They um, they do a lot of different things out there, including some steelhead trips, so um, that's definitely one that's out there still, the Kodiak stuff. So. If you're interested in one of those trips of a lifetime up to Alaska, Adam's got you covered. Okay, let's get back to the show. I love that you touched on the video. I mean, and Kelly, of course, you know, has a great YouTube channel. I, I want to talk about that just a little bit before we dig into our, you know, kind of the 
more of the topic on. I want to get into the getting started for somebody who's new, but um, talk about your channel because, I mean, it seems like it's really blown up, you know, um, and Kelly's got a great channel as well, but I think you're well ahead of Kelly. Maybe talk about that. All right, first of all, do you compete with uh, Gallup and some of the other folks out there? And then no. also, how did you get to that point where, what's the success of your YouTube channel? Why is it, why is it so successful, do you think? Well, um, first and foremost, no, we don't, uh, I, I don't compete. Um, you know, Kelly and I have been have very close friends, um, for 30, almost 33 years now. Wow. Um, we help each other. I mean, there's always that if you know, Kelly, I mean, Kelly's a, a very competitive guy. He used to be a bodybuilder and, uh, um, yep. you know, uh, he, Kelly's competitive by nature, but, uh, I don't think he or I have ever, ever felt an ounce of that. In fact, we help each other. Um, you know, Kelly is constantly sending clients to us and vice versa. And, um, you know, in fact, we've shared some, uh, some website, uh, kind of technology recently. And we've always said that what, what helps Kelly helps us and, and mm -hmm. what, what helps the industry helps us. Um, and I just, I, I, just be, to be honest with you, man, I just, I kind of live in, in our own little mad yeah. world and I don't really look outside that box very often. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't, you know, you and I, um, it took, uh, a couple of hours for me to even be able to log into, a a simple thing for me to be able to do a podcast. I, I don't watch YouTube videos. I, I just, um, right. I, I just don't, I, I work six and a half days a week, 18 hours a day. And I don't, I don't have time for that. So, um, we just do what we do. And I, and I, I've always felt that as long as we do it with integrity and we do it with, um, um, honesty and we do it well and stay true to who we are and what we do and to the sport of fly fishing. I've always felt that the, the success will be there and it, and it um, certainly has been. I mean, we're actually, you know, Mad River Outfitters and all of its entities. Uh, we have Ohio Fly Fishing Guides. Uh, dot com. We have Midwest Fly Fishing Schools. Dot com. We have Mad River Travel Division. And then the YouTube channel um, and all of those things, um, it is uh, successful beyond my wildest dreams, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And I, I couldn't be more thankful and I couldn't be more proud. We have an amazing staff, um, just an amazing staff of, of people that love to come to work. Um, in fact, they're all probably at work right now wondering where I am. I, I, think, <laughs> I think I forgot to tell them we were doing this. Um, but they're just, I'm so, so proud of them and they're just all good people. They're excellent at customer service. They care about their customers and, and they're excellent at what they do. They can all fish. They all are all, uh, die hard, dedicated anglers. And I couldn't be more proud. That's now cool. the YouTube, the YouTube channel, um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think, as far as the success of the YouTube channel, um, yeah, I, I think we're, we're going to hit 200,000 mm -hmm. subscribers, uh, probably in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I don't know of any others that have that many, but, mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I think it has to do with a bunch of different things. I think we, I think we entered into the market at just the right time. 
Um, you know, we've really been doing this uh, almost as a full-time job now for uh, about five years, and we've been on YouTube for about eight years. So mm-hmm. I think we were we were probably one of the first to enter that market. I think the fact that we don't have sponsors, you know, it's not brought to you by Sims, and then I have to be wearing a Sims shirt and I have to yep. talk about a Sims product. Um, I can be completely unbiased, and and of course. Uh, you know, like I said, integrity and honesty, we always try to be honest. Uh, I think there's a no BS attitude. Um, I think a lot of times I will, on the channel, for example, I will tell people, hey, you don't need this. You don't need to spend $1,000. You you can fish just fine with a $99 fly rod. Um, And I think that blows people away sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then I also have to mention, uh, Dev Fogel, who is, uh, my right hand man. Uh, he has no interest in fishing whatsoever, but he is, he is the single best video editor I've ever worked with. Um, and he has an amazing, amazing sense of comedic timing Mm. and just an amazing sense of editing, but, uh, I think we we make things a little lighthearted, and we we poke fun at ourselves. Um, we we have a lot of laughs. We do a lot of really stupid things, which I know turns some people off some of the time. But then again, uh, two hundred thousand subscribers, we're we're, yeah. we're doing we're doing okay. That's right. So I, I think it's a, a variety of different things um, in, in uh, just cutting through some of that BS, not having to promote a particular brand, um, you know, as much as, and of course we all, we do love Orvis. I have a great relationship with Orvis and Tom Rosenbauer is fantastic oh, yeah. at yep. what he does. And I grew up reading some of his books and, but uh, the reality is when it comes to their YouTube channel, I mean, they're not going to show you the new pair of Sims waders no. or, or new Sage Rod. No. Uh, they're just not. So uh, I think that plays a big role in it also is that I, I'm, I'm not handcuffed. There's nobody telling me what to do. There's nobody telling me what to promote. Um, it's, it's, you know, we're always trying to inform and educate and entertain. Yeah. Um, and that might be the, the real a- answer is, is it might be Dev Fogel and his editing is he makes things entertaining. And I think that so many of your fly fishing videos out there are just not entertaining. They're just, yeah. they're, they're boring. Yeah. Uh, and I think that aspect, uh, um, uh, you know, pays dividends, uh, for, for us. Yeah. Yeah, I love that you said educate, entertain. I've mentioned this before, but I, I call it the three E's. It's same with podcasting as it is with YouTube, I'm sure. But you know, you get and then I add the emotion, right? You could have that in a podcast too, where where if you add, Absolutely. You know, if you have if you have all three of those things, you kind of knock it out of the park. If you have two of them, you're doing good. If you only have one of those, you know, you could do okay. But you know what I mean. So the more E's you have, it sounds like you know yours. Obviously, you're educating, and then you add that entertainment piece. That's big. Um, I, I'm curious on. You know, we recently had, we've occasionally do these podcast episodes with people with new fly shops, right? Just getting into it. Mm-hmm. What would be your quick advice to somebody, maybe they're listening now, they have a new fly shop or maybe they're thinking about it to help them be successful? What would you tell somebody new to the game? 
um, make tons of mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Dave, I don't know, to yeah. be honest with you. I mean, uh, it, I made so many mistakes over the course of my career um, and so many bad decisions. Yeah. And, um, and you know what? Thankfully, I was able to survive and I learned from those mistakes and bad decisions. And eventually you get around to making good decisions. Yep. What was your, I'm just curious, you might not, I mean, is there a mistake, a bad mistake that comes to your mind from your whole, you know, all these years of doing this? Um, it's people. It's aligning yourself with the wrong people. Mm. You know, I just read, I just got finished reading a book, uh, and it was, it was called Who, Not How. And uh, I recommend this book to anybody, uh, period, but any, especially if you're in a leadership position. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was always so focused on the how. How do I get this done? How do I do this? How do I do this? And then uh, what I was neglecting was, in order to get the how done, you have to have the right who. And uh, I picked the wrong who's in, in so many situations from um, maybe even reps that I decided to uh, jump in bed with or go into business, employees, especially when it comes to website people mm. and all these search engine optimization people. Uh, you need to find people that you trust and you need to put your trust in them and let them do their job. Um, you need to realize that you're going to need a lot of help, and that help is going to be expensive. And, um, you know, I would just say work. One thing that I see a lot, and I hear, I'm starting to hear this more and more, and especially after the pandemic, a lot of reps are telling me that they've got these shops that could do well, but the shop only only wants to work four days a week and then you know have weekends off and have mm-hmm. Wednesday off. And that's just not how it works. I mean, I work six and a half days a week, almost 18 hours a day sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so, so does my staff. Um, right. you, you've got to work hard. You've got to treat people right. And the other thing uh, that, that has always bothered me about our industry, and we touched on this a little bit earlier, is that elitism that kind of comes with fly fishing. And so many people tell me that they go into a fly shop and they don't feel welcome. They don't feel comfortable and they feel intimidated. Um, and that's, that's the downfall I think of most fly shops. Right. And you've got to welcome everybody with open arms and no matter what their skill level, no matter what their skin color, no matter what their gender, religion, it, everybody has to be welcome and they have to be treated, um, uh, you know, with the same respect as a guy that's been doing it for 60 years and knows everything. Yep. Um, and, and that's probably my biggest piece of advice right there. That's great. No, I love that. It's another great take on that. So. Well, I want to just dig in quickly as we're talking about, obviously, been talking about education, teaching, uh, and dig in. You know, we could talk about your YouTube channel, some of the videos and things like that you've had out there. But, you know, let's think, let's take somebody here that probably somebody listening now has is fly fishing, but maybe it's a friend of theirs, somebody that maybe, you know, wants to get into it, but's new to it. What, what do you, 
let's take us through a couple of those things, maybe a, a list of like when you get somebody new into the shop or you're talking to somebody, what do you tell them if they're kind of new to it? And maybe they're, maybe they've even tried it a time or two and they're struggling. What, what are you, what's your advice? Well, um, it's, you, you can take a multi-pronged approach and this is kind of what we do in the shop. And, um, basically I'm going to be quoting right from our series on YouTube called getting started in fly fishing. Perfect. And, Perfect. um, we have always catered to beginners at the shop. The, the beginner is the, the foundation. It's the rock really of our industry. And it's part of the reason why we're seeing such amazing growth in our industry is people getting into the sport. So they're, once again, they are just as important or even more important than the veterans. But for someone getting into the sport of fly fishing, um, and you can find this in episode one of the 14 episode series, getting started in fly fishing, but there's six basic things that you need to understand when it comes to fly fishing. And it's literally a list like you asked. And mm -hmm. number one is you need to understand a fly rod. Number two, you need to understand a fly reel and what it does and kind of the, the ins and outs and the options that you have when you're looking to make a purchase. Number three, you need to understand the fly line system. And that fly line system consists of typically backing a fly line and a leader. Um, and hopefully we can touch on leaders a little bit because yeah. your, your leader um, is the most overlooked and undertaught uh, part of the system in our industry. And it's your first or second most important piece of gear. Um, but number four on that list is you need to have a few basic accessories. And in our, in our videos, we break those down. I mean, obviously like some nippers, some hemostats, maybe some split shot fly floating and, mm -hmm. um, maybe strike indicators if you're a nymph angler. So you need to have a handful of basic accessories. And then number five on that list is you need to have some polarized sunglasses. Hmm. Um, first and foremost, your eyes don't grow back if damaged. And therefore, you need to protect your eyes against a hook flying past your face at 90 miles yeah. an hour. Yeah. And then number two, polarization obviously cuts through the glare in the water, helps you see fish, helps you see structure, helps you see maybe where you're waiting. Um, uh, you know, for a variety of different reasons, polarized sunglasses, in my estimation, are a critical piece of gear. And then yeah. number six on that list, to get started in fly fishing, you need a body of water and preferably there would be some fish in that body of water. <laughs> and those are the six basic things that you need. So what we do in that video series, and then also I teach this class, uh, we do a free beginners program at Matter of Outfitters. Um, Pre-pandemic, we used to do it. I used to do about eight or 10 of them a year. We're slowly dipping our toes back into the world of in-person classes here. Um, in fact, hopefully we've got an announcement coming out this week. Uh, but anyways, I've always taught this free beginners program. It was open to everybody to register. It didn't cost them a thing. And it was a two hour program. And I break down each of those six basic things. And, um, it's really not all that complicated. Um, you know, people are always so intimidated by fly fishing and you don't have to know the Latin names 
of all these bugs and insects no. that are found, especially for us. I mean, most of, you know, 90% of what we do around here and for the local people getting started around here, we're catching smallmouth. I mean, you need a streamer, you need a crayfish and you need a popper. Yep. And you need a, a 12 thousandths or zero X liter for everything that you do. And you don't even need the fly floating. You probably don't even need the split shot. Um, so it's, it's, it's actually much, much easier than, than people think. And then once you get into the sport, uh, you know, uh, I, I've, I've talked about this, uh, quite a bit on the channel and it does seem to resonate with a lot of folks is people get so hung up on techniques and they get so hung up on this technique and that technique. And I got to learn yeah. this cast and I got to learn this cast and I got to learn this, 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 this. And it's really as simple as this. You take a fly that looks like food. Okay. And if you buy it from a fly shop, it's probably going to look like some sort of food. And then you need to take it out on that body of water that contains fish. And you need to do one thing. You need to make that fly act like food right done that's it you're fly fishing and i noticed you didn't have uh, the fly the actual fly in that six where does that fit in in, in your training uh, oh oh maybe i missed maybe i missed the number it's it's uh sorry it's number one is rods number two is reels number three is line system which includes a leader yeah i skipped it sorry yeah number four you obviously need some flies yeah for yeah gotcha Number five is polarized sunglasses. Number six is water. Oh, gotcha. So basically, yeah, accessories. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So rod, reel, line system, flies, polarized sunglasses, and water. Yeah, yeah, perfect. And all, and obviously, we'll we'll link out to that series. And this is a good thing is that we're not even going to come close to dig into what you have there. The opportunity I want to share for people is like, hey, another good example. You want to learn, get into this. You, you have somebody that's new to it. We'll send them over to your channel, right? That's that's the best thing. But I did want to just briefly touch, you know, uh, just a couple of these. So fly rod, reel. Let's just talk fly rod for a second because there is a lot of diversity in fly rod. I mean, there's all sorts of fly rods depending on the species. You know, when somebody's new to it, is is it just the – do you ask them what they're fishing for? Is it more like just go for the nine-foot, you know, nine-foot five-way? What, what's your take there? No, we always ask them what, what they're fishing for. Um, that's first and foremost. And, and believe me, uh, you know, we also have a Q&A series on our YouTube channel. And um, we always tell people, uh, please send your questions over to Mad River Outf admin at madriveroutfitters.com, our email address. And excuse me, every single question is answered. And I mean every single question sometimes at 2 in the morning on uh, Saturday night. You answer those on on the Q&A, like on the YouTube channel? Well, we every email gets answered with an email response. And oh, then, gotcha. of course, I can't film them all because I literally, I get 50 or 60 questions a day <laughs> via email, sometimes more. Um, and we pick uh, the ones for YouTube that we think will be most useful to our audience and questions that we get a lot. But but I get questions all the time. Hey, Brian, or hey, Mad River Outfitters crew, what's the best fly rod? Yep. Or what's the best fly line? Well, the truth of it is, is that there's really no way I can answer that question via email. Um, it's really going to entail a phone call, which we also say in our videos that, hey, if this is a personal question about what fly rod should I buy, what fly line should I buy, um, you're really going to have to call the shop because we're going to have a dozen questions for you. 
Um, and, and I don't mean to complicate the matter, but uh, it's just good customer service and caring enough to say, okay, when it comes to what fly rod is going to suit you best, first and foremost, what are you fishing for? Okay, where are you fishing? What types of water? Um, maybe to a certain extent, uh, rod action can have something to do with your personality, your casting stroke. Rod action can have something to do with what types of flies or what types of lines you might be throwing. And then, of course, um, there's no way I can answer that question because we are always budget sensitive. Yeah. And I'm never going to recommend an $800 fly rod no. to a high school kid that's saving up his grass cutting money. So I always need to know what your budget is and what you're thinking about spending. And then it's my job, after I ask those 12 questions, it's my job to try to find the best solution uh, for that problem. Um, and, you know, I've always, told, I've always told our employees at the shop is when you're a salesperson, and no matter whether you're selling washing machines or whether you're selling cars or you're selling fly rods, a salesperson is a problem solver. Okay, a guy comes in uh, to uh, a big box store to buy a washer and dryer. Why is he there? Because he has a problem. He needs a washer and dryer. He's probably not buying it just for fun, um, just to upgrade. He's buying it because his washer and dryer is on the fritz and he needs a new one. So that's a problem. And then you become a problem solver and you find him the right washer and dryer. Same thing with a car. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can't walk into a car dealership and say, hey, what's the best car for me? Well, uh, you know, I got a couple dozen questions for you in that case. Yeah. And it's the same thing with a fly rod. But the cool thing about working in a fly shop is as that salesperson in that fly shop, you are a problem solver. It's just that the person that will just walk through the door, his problem is he wants to buy a fly rod. So it's, it's a pretty cool problem to have. It is. It's a cool place to be and where you're helping them get into maybe their first rod or maybe it's their, you know, their, their 10th rod. It's the same thing. Is it always, do you go through that same set of, uh, you know, questions when you, if it's a person who's got 50 rods, is it all, or do they, do they pretty much know what's going on at that point? Yeah, but st you're still going to have those questions. Um, I'm still going to inquire. I'm still going to dig deeper um, uh, because, it, it, and again, it's, it, that's part of the, um, that's part of the integrity and the exceptional customer service, uh, which is what uh, I think Matter of Outfitters is known for and what we strive for every day of our lives. Um, sure, I could just hand somebody a fly rod and uh, pat them on the back and get them out the door quickly. But, it, you know, uh, I just feel that the customer deserves a lot more than that. They deserve my best and our best under every circumstance. And therefore, it behooves us, you know, I can't tell you how many times people come in and they say, hey, I want the latest, greatest sage rod. And they yeah. say, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And I might say to them, I might say, hey, I'm not sure that's the right rod for you. Um, here, I think, is a better option. And then when, then that, when that rod is $400 cheaper, they're absolutely blown away. Um, they say, what sense does that make? Well, I'm not I'm not in this for a quick buck. If I if I was in it for a quick buck, I would have been out of the business in two years. Yeah. 
Um, we're in this for the long haul. We're in it to exceed our customers' expectations. And I'm there so that five years down the road, when that guy or gal is fishing that rod, they absolutely love that rod. And they remember when they bought it, where they bought it, and who they bought it from. Um, And they remember that we took the time to make sure that they had the right rod for the job. And, and that's, you know, that just boils down to being good people and offering exceptional customer service. Today's episode is sponsored by Fairflies, who was founded with the idea of finding ethical solutions to fly tying materials and products. They've done just that by creating jobs for marginalized people, both in the U.S. and abroad. Their 5D brushes make fly tying fast and enjoyable for all skill levels. Fairflies has replaced, uh, they've also replaced craft fur with their own fly fur, a product made by fly tires for fly tires. And we've talked about this fly fur and the brushes in the past. We've had a couple episodes where we've dug into this. And the thing about this fly fur is it's super durable. Uh, that's one of the big features. If you want something that's not going to break down, that's going to last for a long time, you got to check out the fly fur. They've also got Wasatch custom angling tools. These are super uh, heirloom quality, wood handled, very nice, very high quality stuff. They've got some, even some conventional gear. They've got a bunch of things going over there, Jeff and the crew. Um, you got to check them out right now. If you want to support a great company who's supporting um, great people around the world and is doing things via fair trade, and, uh, and do it on the right. You got to check out Fairflies. They are definitely a company that we love having on board here. And, uh, and it's your chance to support them and this podcast by one easy click. Wetflyswing.com slash Fairflies. F-A-I-R-F-L-I-E-S. Check them out right now. Click over there and see what they have. You're going to be blown away if you haven't seen these brushes and some of the other stuff they have going on. Okay, back to the show. And you mentioned the leader. I know this is a key point you make on the leader maybe being the most important thing or one of the most important things with the setup. But talk about that a little bit. So let's say we got a rod. Let's just say we're taking it for – let's just stay on the small mouth, right? Small mouth, we've got a reel that balances. And then talk about that leader. What, what is Why is that so critical? Uh, so let's just take small mouth fishing. Well, I, I think you can sum it up this way. Um, you could argue that your most important piece of gear – is your fly. Yep. Okay, because that's what the fish sees, and that's really going to determine success or not success. Um, whereas, and, and I won't go off on this tangent, but the fly fishing industry has it absolutely backwards. The fly fishing industry wants you to believe that your most important piece of gear is, of course, what? Your rod. Yep. Number two, they want you to believe the reel. And we know why that is. It boils down to dollars and cents. When the reality of the matter is, is that your most important piece of gear is your fly. But one could argue that if you don't have the right leader, and that leader, first of all, can't deliver the fly to the target properly, well, then what good is the world's best fly? Second, a leader um, a leader does three things. A leader... Uh, delivers a fly to a target. A leader then uh, enhances or basically allows or enhances a lifelike presentation. 
And then number three, a leader must survive the fight of the fish, assuming you hook a fish. That's the three things a leader does. So if you have the world's best fly and that leader can't deliver it properly to the target, which let's say, uh, you know, we hear people all the time, they buy, they buy a size two Clouser minnow with lead eyes. And then a big box store sells them a four X leader. Right. And then they wonder why they can't cast or the leader collapses or whacks them in the back of the head. And then they give up fly fishing because they don't, they think they can't cast. Well, what good is that Clouser minnow? You, you can't get it to the target. And then number two, if the leader doesn't allow and enhance a lifelike presentation, well, the fly doesn't act like food. Once again, world's greatest fly does you no good. And then if you do hook a fish on a clouser, you know, a, a big small mouth on 4X tippet, um, and, uh, you know, I would say good luck landing uh, your even an average small mouth on 4X tippet. I mean, it, it can be done, but it's not smart and would not be recommended. So, you know, the leader is so, so, so important. And like I said, so many shops, so many big box stores just sell people 4X leaders because they're six pound test and they don't even know what 4X means. Hmm. So it's it's almost a tragedy. And so we've set out to really try to to fix that and really try to educate folks on how important leaders are, um, and how important it is to have the right type of leader as well. Gotcha. Yeah. So lead. And then, then if we take it to also, we look at the body of water, obviously that's finding a place with fish. If people come in, let's again, take it to your shop locally, right? Somebody comes into your shop and they're like, okay, where do we go fishing? Um, you know, how do you, how do you walk somebody through that? You've got some different water bodies, I guess, again, you talk about what they want to fish for, but if you got somebody new, what, what is your take? How do you walk them through that conversation? Well, we always, again, we ask questions. Um, they have a problem, they want to go fishing and it's your job to solve that problem. So first and foremost, yes. What do you want to fish for? Um, where do you live? How far do you want to travel? Um, you know, how good are you at waiting? All those kind of things. And then we're going to determine a recommendation of where it might be best, uh, to send them. And, um, you know, uh, once again, talking about a good fly shop and exceptional customer service, um, we are always willing to share. Um, of course, I'm not going to tell somebody right an exact hole of where to go, but I'm going to tell somebody a, a two mile stretch of water or a one mile stretch of water where I would go if I were them. Uh, and, and here's the techniques I would use. Here's the flies I would use. And, um, you're always going to try to do your best because that person's success is your success. Yep. Um, and there's another tip for, uh, the person, uh, just starting a fly shop, your customer's success is your success. And, uh, you have to do everything in your power to help that person be successful. And part of that is sharing, uh, where you fish and sharing yeah. where you would fish. And, um, you know, I don't want to say nobody owns this stuff. Some people do own waterways, but yeah, you know, the mad river is not my river. It's everybody's river. Um, and I hear people complaining about the canoe traffic on the river. Well, mm. they have just as much right to be there as we do. 
And it's real simple. When the canoe traffic is hot and heavy during June, July, and August, I got news for you. Just fish fish early and fish late. That's when you want to fish anyways. <laughs> yep. Is that what you guys see there with the Mad River? Well, you see this a lot of places around the country, but yeah, you get the good days, you get more people on in the, in the sunshine, but early in the mornings or late. And then off seasons, obviously, um, yeah. do you, you find that? Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, well that's, you know, I mean, definitely this is kind of where, like we said, touching the surface of some of this, but I just wanted to kind of dig into that just to have a little bit of a resource for somebody to check in, you know, if they are new or know somebody who's new to it. Um, talk about, you mentioned the questions. We'll start to take it out of here, uh, quickly, but, um, as far as most common questions you get, it sounds like you guys get hundreds of questions a week. Um, are they always, do you just see those, like you said, best rod? If you had to say a, a top 10 list or whatever, five or 10 common questions, is that an easy one to answer? Um, I get a lot of, yes, I get a lot of questions on rods and I get a lot of questions on, I think because of uh, the getting started in fly fishing series and because of the reach of the YouTube channel, we do get a lot of beginners. So I got a lot of people asking about their first rod and reel combo. Um, so I would say that's number one. We get a lot of questions about... And how do you do that, uh, Brian? So when you get that on your, your question, like you know, rod and reel, how do you answer that question to people? Like, these aren't coming to the shop. They're literally people that are out there. Do you direct them to give you a call or how do you answer that question? Most of the time, yes. I always try to answer their questions as best I can. I, I don't just say, hey, thanks for the email. You're going to have to call me or call the shop. Um, I try to answer their questions as best as possible. I say, well, um, yes, here's a link to a lot of our entry-level kind of combos. And I give them some basic information. You know, TFO has a great warranty. Reddington makes a nice one, blah, blah, blah. And give them yeah. some basic information. And then and then try to quantify a little bit further. I need to know what you're fishing for. I need to know where you're fishing. I need to know, again, we ask those questions. Yeah. And then at the end of the email, I always tell them that, um, that this is really a customer service question. And those customer service questions are always going to be best addressed by calling the shop. Right. There's just no way around that. And, and it's almost like we've entered this age where, uh, I don't know, telephones have almost become like obsolete, right? archaic yep. form of communication. Yeah. And, and it's like people don't want to pick up the phone, but you'd be surprised when you're courteous and you show them that you're willing to offer exceptional customer service. But the best way I can do that is if you and I have a conversation um, I would say nine times out of 10, we get a phone call within six hours of that response. Hmm. And then of course we wow them with customer service. And, um, then I get an email back from that person and maybe they didn't talk to me. They talked to Ryan or Andy or Pat or someone at the shop. And they always say, Brian, thank you. I called the shop. The salesperson was fantastic. I got set up with this, this, and this. I look forward to doing more business with you in the future. So yeah. thank you. Thank you for your prompt and courteous response. There you um, go. And, there you, go. you know, every single person matters. Um, and But it's it's always going to be a conversation. And we I get tons of questions on fly lines. You know, we've, mm -hmm. done a, we've done a lot of talk about the importance of the fly line and having the right line. Of course, we've done a lot of work with uh, sinking fly lines, and I think teaching and educating people about the importance uh, 
and the use of sinking fly lines. And so I probably get five or six questions a day. Uh, hey, hey, Brian or, or Mad River Crew, what's the best sinking line? I've got a five-weight rod. What's the best sinking line? Right. Once again, there's no way I can answer that question. No. I've got to know. I've got to know 10 more things at least before I can make any kind of recommendation. But again, you answer that email, you try to give them as much information as you can and be courteous about it and then suggest they give us a call. And then they almost always do. And, um, and I'd like to think that we almost always get them the right line. Um, because selecting the right line, especially when it comes to a sinking fly line is just uh, of critical, critical oh, yeah. importance. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, we got a lot of questions about flies. What, what flies should I use? And to the point where we made a couple of videos real quickly, um, uh, that kind of answered those questions. And then I can send that person several links um, and just say, Hey, watch this video. And I think it'll really help you determine what fly to use. Mm -hmm. We get tons and tons of questions about leaders. Um, in fact, to be honest with you, that's probably number one right now, because like you've said, we do, we do a lot of talking about leaders and talking about selecting or building the right leader. And I get tons and tons of questions about leaders. But I, I will tell you, and we can uh, wrap up this part here. Yeah. I can tell you the best question I ever had. Yeah. And uh, I'm just going to guess that this person is not listening to your YouTube, <laughs> to your podcast. The best question I ever had was, dear Brian, how do you know what you're fishing for? Oh, wow. Yeah. There you go. That's a tough one, too. <laughs> That'd be a tough one to answer. I did. I, I, I forget exactly what it does, Yeah, well, let me think of it. Yeah, so that's a, uh, I'm not even sure how you, because you could, uh, again, I guess it depends on the fly shop, right? You could answer that a few different ways. Well, I think I might have recommended scuba gear. Right. <laughs> right. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that's, well, no, that's good. I mean, I think, again, it's high-level stuff we're digging into here, but I think uh, today what we'll do is just, put a bunch of links to, to your videos and your series. And then obviously they can call your shop if they have questions. And then do you guys see, I mean, it sounds, I'm guessing your YouTube channels, you create your new videos based on the questions you get. Is that kind of how you guys are coming up with new content each week? Yeah, to, to a certain extent. I mean, I, I think I still have, you know, I, I tell Dev and the crew this all the time that, I don't know, we've got 1,200, 1,500 videos out there, something like that. Wow. I, I, I tell them all the time that I still feel like we're just on the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more that we can cover and that we can teach. So, you know, and I'm constantly sitting around in the evenings just jotting down notes of ideas of videos that we could make. Um, the Q&A series, the question and answer series, um, that is dictated by uh, questions that we get. And when I get a good one, that I think would make for a good video and that, uh, that, you know, our audience could benefit from the answers. Um, I just save it in a folder. And then when it comes time, time to film, uh, we film Q and A's about once a month. Uh, I'll just dig through that folder and come up with three or four of them and answer them on, on camera. And when we do answer them in a video, uh, we send out uh, the person that asked the question. We send them out a free hat and a fly box, just something kind of fun. Oh, nice. 
Yep. And it, get, it gets people watching the series and looking to see if their question gets answered. And, it's, and you know, a lot of people get a kick out of it. I always get an email saying, hey, Brian, thanks. It was really exciting to see my question answered. And thanks for the hat and the fly box. And it's really kind of fun. And it's, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know, just to sum things up, I, I suppose, uh, you know, I start every video uh, with uh, with a fra- uh, with a kind of almost a slogan these days, and I say "Howdy, friends," and I think um, I think that really sums it up. Is that our customers are our friends, and I have so many friends that I've never spoke to, I've never met hmm. in my life. I've only yeah. emailed back and forth, and uh, you know they tell me all the time that they feel like a friend of matter for outfitters and um you know we've earned their business and and even though they live in california or uh, british columbia or or uh, you know argentina that we are we are their fly shop um and they support matter for outfitters because they feel like they're a friend and uh you know i guess if i can leave a legacy and make a difference in this world um, I guess that would be it. That's it. Well, let's just take it out here quickly with a, a couple of little, I, we mentioned one at the start, but the travel was one thing I wanted to touch on just briefly. So it sounds like you guys are all over the place. Do you have a trip, uh, you know, that you really are looking at over the next year that you may be a new one or something you're really focused on that you would highlight as maybe a bucket list trip for yourself? Um, you know, we, we've, uh, we, we haven't added much new stuff. I mean, we, uh, I, I added in a trip to Labrador a couple of years ago. Oh, nice. Um, for the trophy brook trout up there. Yeah. Uh, I got to host that first one. It was fantastic. Um, and just an amazing wilderness experience. Um, of course, the pandemic caused us to take two years off from that, but we did go back in July um, and looking to go back there. Of course, one of the highlights, one of my favorite, uh, of course, I love saltwater fishing, so I love being uh, down in New Orleans chasing redfish in the Bahamas, uh, mm. chasing bonefish, and then I tarpon fish in Florida quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so those are all great trips, but really the, the, the most high adventure, the most exotic thing that we do, um, and I, I, I so look forward to getting back, is uh, Brazil uh, in the mm. Amazon on for peacock bass right that is i'm telling you 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 fly in a float plane into the middle of the amazon jungle you're fishing with macaws and howler monkeys in the trees and um, yep. you know we've seen some panthers we've seen anacondas we see pink dolphins uh, wow yeah it's it's and then on top of that uh average a uh, week, uh, week trip for eight anglers. I'd say we average right around nineteen hundred to two thousand peacocks for a week of fishing. Jeez. Yeah, it's Holy it's off the charts. Uh, I know it sounds like uh, I mean it sounds like an advertisement, but uh, you know, hundred fish days for an angler are not out of the question. Amazing. Nice. Well. We'll definitely uh, maybe have to follow up with you on on that trip at a later point. Uh, so uh, the mandolin, I, I don't want to leave the music because I love touching on the music. Uh, you mentioned a couple of groups, uh, you know, some big bands. But wh- who are, you know, mandolin back in your day or even now? Um, what are the, ba- you know, what were the groups? That, what is the, when you think of the, the best mandolin players out there, who were they? Do you, do you have a good feel for that back, either back in the day or currently? 
Yeah, I would say, I mean, uh, you know, part of my uh, fascination with the Grateful Dead, uh, Jerry Garcia played with a guy named David Grisman. Oh, yeah. And uh, David Grisman, or Dog, as they call him. Uh, David Grisman was certainly an early influence, kind of, I came to him through uh, Garcia and and the dead and became a big fan. But then, and I'll be, uh, uh, I'll be brutally honest with you, Howdy Friends was stolen from uh, really my mandolin hero, whose name is Sam Bush. Huh. And uh, I don't know, 20 years ago, I was at a Sam Bush show, and it, it was kind of cool. I actually kind of became friends with him over time, and uh, you, we used to hang out on the tour bus, and uh, um, you know, we would look forward to hanging out after the show and what have you. But about 20 years ago, Sam opened up a show, and he walked right on stage, and he waved to the crowd, and he said, well, howdy, friends. <laughs> And it just it just made an influence on me, and it just made me feel like yep. everybody in the audience was his friend. Uh, he is a really on top of being like a, a Jimi Hendrix of new grass music. So oh wow, um, uh, just he's a real kind of humble and uh, real person, and uh, really became a big influence on, uh, not only my mandolin playing, but just my, my life in general and about being a good person. And, uh, and he came from a band called the new grass revival. Okay. And as I'm sitting here in my basement, I'm, I'm looking at my, uh, I'm so old. I still have a CD collection and a yep. CD <laughs> player. Um, but I'm looking and here's a Sam Bush CD and a new grass revival CD right there. So I, I, I don't play, but I still listen. Oh, good. Good, good. No, thanks for doing that. Mentioning that, I'll I'll try to find a Sam Bush video or something out there we can add to the show notes as well, so we could listen to that on the way out of here. Um, well, Brian, I, I think we're we're good here. Uh, you know, obviously, I always feel like a lot of these with somebody like yourself who's been around forever. I could I could talk and we could dig into any of these topics, you know, for another hour. But um, I'm gonna let you get out of here, and we'll send everybody out to MadRiverOutfitters.com or over to the YouTube channel if they want to connect. And yeah, hopefully uh, we'll get some people your way, maybe some new uh, anglers uh, to come and check out your stuff. But um, yeah, thanks for all the time today and sharing your, a little bit of your your history and knowledge. I really appreciate you having me, man. And, uh, you know, this has been a lot of fun. Let's, uh, let's do it again sometime. So there it is. Thanks for landing. You are a go for landing. It is clear. Roger that. Wetflyswing.com slash 374. You know that's where you're going to get the show notes, the links, uh, the transcript, and everything else we got going. Big reminder before we jump out of here, uh, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and I want to uh, want you to show your support for breast cancer awareness. You can do that right now by going to wetflyswing.com slash pink, P-I-N-K, and you can actually support breast cancer awareness and, uh, and enter to win some fly tying tools, some Fairflies brushes, and even a local guided trip to your neck of the woods. Check it out right now and, uh, and go over there. And this is a good chance you get bonus points if you uh, after you uh, sign up for that giveaway and you support casting for recovery. There's a quick link there. You can do that. And, uh, and again, that's wetflyswing.com slash pink. Pink will get you what you need. Quick listener shout out before we bust out of here. Ward Denaway, Denaway from St. Paul, Minnesota. Ward is interested. He, he reached out by email and he said he's interested in redfish out of the Louisiana Gulf Coast. Uh, and he noted the bonus uh, is New Orleans, uh, that trip on the way back. 
hitting up New Orleans for some good times there. And this board, definitely, I want to say thank you for your support and thanks for the reminder. Redfish is definitely on my bucket list as well as New Orleans. So I hope to maybe catch you, uh, maybe we'll see you there, out there on a trip. Would love to put that one together. I'd love to hear from you. If you're listening right now to the very end, you haven't connected with me or it's been a while, I'd love to hear if how we're doing on this show or if you have an episode or just want to say, uh, hey, what's up? Uh, I always love, it's kind of what keeps me going. Hearing from Ward and others out there lets me know I'm on the right track. And I'd love to hear where you're coming from. Are you coming from somewhere outside of the Midwest? Are you potentially in the Southeast? Um, the Northeast? Uh, let me know. I would love to hear it. Dave at wetflyswing.com. You can send an email really quickly and we can get it done. We've got some big giveaways coming up very soon. The Alaska giveaway, we noted it here, um, Fish Hound. This giveaway, we're actually giving away one of these trips up to Alaska to do this remote Alaskan trip. And you can enter. Uh, we're going to be kicking this off on October 24th at wetflyswing.com slash giveaway giveaway will get you the link and you can enter to win that monster giveaway which is going to be including a nice prize pack of uh of products all right i am out of here i'm going to get on we're trying to get caught up on some of these episodes so i'm going to launch away and get to the next one and uh and i hope to see you maybe uh maybe soon if you can catch up with me online or social media i would love love to get with you on a trip and uh, do some fishing and if not catch me online dave at wetflyswing.com I hope you are having a good evening. I hope you're having a good morning or a good afternoon, wherever in the world you are. And please check in and say hi. And I hope you have a good day. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.